What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and we are on a mission to unlock human performance. All right, it is Super Bowl week, and Patrick Mahomes is in the Super Bowl, longtime Whoop member, friend, investor, and we are going to talk about Patrick Mahomes' training and everything he's doing to get ready for the Super Bowl this Sunday with Bobby Stroop. Bobby is the CEO and founder of Athlete Performance Enhancement Center. That's APEC. And he's the trainer, of course, of Super Bowl champion, potentially two-time champ, actually, after Sunday, uh, Patrick Mahomes. So Coach Troop and his team have worked with and supported over 300 professional athletes across six different sports, including World Series champions, Super Bowl champions, and first-round draft picks in both the NFL and MLB. And so I sat down with Bobby to discuss the Mahomes injury in Jacksonville and some of the methods to recover quickly from that. Uh, we talked about Patrick's last two weeks of whoop data. So sleep, recovery, strain, uh, how he's been balancing all of that. Bobby talked more generally about the ABC method, which is uh, his weekly training routine with Patrick Mahomes. Interestingly, they, they have a whole formula for how to get Patrick fitter over the course of the season, which I thought was really interesting. We talked about gamifying the offseason, some of the things that Bobby does with Whoop Data, uh, how he'll really uh, run Patrick down in the offseason, unlike uh, what he can sometimes do during the week for a big game. We looked at uh, Patrick's uh, Whoop Data on games over the course of the season, which was quite interesting. So looking at how recovered he was uh, going into a game. Uh, spoiler, he does a really good job recovering for the day of games. Bobby talked about uh, learnings from other trainers. So learnings from athletes like Tom Brady, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and some of the trainers he's spoken to have worked with those athletes. Uh, we got a little bit into uh, the Eagles and uh, what Bobby observes is, is special about the Eagles. And we also talked about uh, Jalen Hurts, who uh, Bobby had actually trained uh, in the past and describes as a real freak athlete in his own right. So overall, a lot to learn from this conversation with Bobby. Uh, quick reminder, if you're new to Whoop, you can use the code WILL when you're checking out, W-I-L-L. Get a $60 credit on Whoop accessories. You can go to whoop.com to get started. Also, if you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us, podcast at whoop.com. Call us, 508-443-4952. And uh, before we dive in with Bobby, I got to say good luck, Patrick. Good luck, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs this weekend. I uh, can't wait to see what you're going to do uh, on Sunday. I will be there in Arizona uh, rooting you on. All right, here is Bobby Stroop. Bobby, welcome to the Whoop Podcast. Thanks for having me, Will. It's, a, it's an honor to jump back on with you. You know, uh, you're, you're a hot guest this, this week because uh, <laughs> your man, Patrick Mahomes, is about to compete in the Super Bowl. We're recording this on a Monday. For you now, having seen Patrick go through, I don't know how many big epic games, do you, do you yourself have a little bit of jitters this week as, as you're helping him get ready for, for Sunday, or is it business as usual? Oh, there's no question. I'd love to tell you that it's business as, as usual, but this is the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I, I get anxiety on a normal, on a regular basis on game day, just like anyone else would. But this one, it means something, obviously. So... So yeah, I'm ex I'm more excited than nervous. I'm sure I'll go back and forth before the game and during the game and all the things. But man, it's an exciting week, and I'm really really happy that we're at this opportunity. You out in Arizona? Not yet. I'll be out uh, Thursday. Uh, we doing some stuff uh, virtually and and uh, just communicating there. But I'll be out Thursday and try to bring this thing home Sunday night. So that's an interesting question. You know, uh, I mean, obviously. There's so much work that you can do with an athlete in person, but what do you find is the best way to work with Patrick virtually and and throughout the season? Talk about that process. Well, you know we have we have a really good ecosystem uh, when it comes to just his health performance and player development. You know the Chiefs have such a great support staff uh, between Rick Burkholder and his uh, sports medicine team and the strength conditioning team and Julie Freimeyer heading up the the rehab and therapy practices there. And then for me in the off seasons and then filling in some of the things that we like to do uh, during the season outside of those things. So 
uh, the communication is, is such that we've got to prioritize football and football's got to be the main thing and keep the main thing, the main thing. So having good communication with all the important people in his life and around him that support his, you know, health performance and player development is key. And so right now it's about doing what you, what you, what you can do and what you uh, need to do to support without adding stress. And obviously there are things that take priority during the season that are different than training with me. And so a lot of it is about communication and when we get time to work, and there's things we need to do. We we absolutely nailed that. I got to talk about the uh, epic game over the Bengals. Um, yeah. And and in particular, the run at the end of the game that Patrick had uh, to really get the team within field goal position and ultimately lead to the win. So I was reading some data on this, and Patrick's top speed was like just over 18 miles an hour as he scrambled for that run and, and ultimately led to the, uh, you know, uh, the, the penalty that gave him all 15 extra yards. And he's doing that on a, uh, an injured leg, which obviously you followed really closely. Like, how do you get an athlete in a week's time with a high ankle sprain, uh, to be able to run, uh, 18 miles an hour under those circumstances? Well, first off, you have to, work with a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So I think that, you know, all credit always goes back to the athlete. He's got a unbelievable pain tolerance and Patrick is fast. You know, he's, he's hit high 19s and 20 miles per hour in games before he's one of the most prolific rushing quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. I mean, he's two away from the all time rushing record for playoff football in touchdowns. Very few people know that, um, his rushing statistics in the playoffs are the best of all time as far as average per rush. This 18 yard or 18 mile an hour run um, was remarkable, not just from someone dealing with what he's dealing with, uh, but for for anybody to run off a curve and downhill at that point in the game and hit that miles per hour in only a, a five yard game is remarkable. And yes, it was about a 20 yard lead in, but that's fast no matter what position you are on the field. It was truly remarkable uh, that he was able to do that to to basically ice the game. So let's go back to the Jacksonville game. Um, he gets injured. And at that point, what are you thinking to yourself? Wow. You know, when you're when you're in the stands and you and you see a play, it's so much different than when you watch the replay because things things become very clear exactly what you're dealing with. And um as soon as I saw the replay, I mean it it it, it looked it looked bad. I mean, it looked like a very severe injury. And so immediately, you know, I'm thankful that, that we've got the support that we have within the Chiefs organization and that people right there in real time. And Julie's got some very um, well-deserved attention for being so on top of it. And for Julie and Rick to be right there and get on top of the situation immediately uh, was just the best case scenario for Patrick. And being a pro, and I know... <laughs> It's been it's been well documented that he was argumentative about with Andy about even going to getting getting it looked at and and all those things. Um, but I just can't I can't say enough how impressive it was what they were able to do in that moment and then immediately after the game and then obviously when something like that happens for me I'm immediately thinking okay how are we going to change our plan how are we still going to keep these human performance metrics, these strength residuals we know we need to have. Whether you're injured or not, you're still a human being that requires certain things. You need testosterone boost from your training. Uh, you, you need to be able to be strong and in the, in the, in mobile in the ways that you have to be to be Patrick Mahomes. So we've got to find a way to still be able to do those things uh, with added responsibilities and, and in coordination with people that um, he's got to work with to make sure this thing's ready to go the next week. Yeah, it's interesting looking at his his strain data through the week after after the injury, and and uh, Patrick was willing to share some of his whoop data for this conversation. Uh, but you know, he's got like a twelve strain on Tuesday. This is following the Jacksonville game leading up to the Bengals game, um, like a four point six strain on on Wednesday. So like you know, almost almost doing nothing on. Uh, and then Thursday and Friday, like he does get it, get it up there, 14 and a half, 14.6. Uh, throughout the week, his recovery's climbing. So he was in the red on Wednesday. And then sure enough, by the weekend, he's in the green with a, with a high uh, recovery. You know, how, how, how are you getting him at to, to a 14 or a 14.6 strain 
uh, for a guy that's you know got that kind of an injury. I think with Patrick, it's about setting priorities, and a lot of the things when he's in this type of situation um, have to do with a lot of a lot of acute therapy and different things that that were honestly were uh, on in his time with the Chiefs, and that stuff is very meticulous and time consuming. And I think that instead of work, it's a pain tolerance thing and not to speak directly to what they did because that's, that's, that's them. But I think that it was getting him ready to go. And I think it's important to practice at the highest level that you can at the end of the week. And I think he understood that. And as a professional and in, in, in trying to make sure that he knows what he's dealing with going into the game, what you don't want is to go into the game and, and not know the state of your body or how to play with, with the state of your body and the current state that you're dealing with, especially if you have an injury. So I think they did a great job with that. And, you know, what we, what we do there in the season is mainly Monday, Tuesdays, and Fridays. And so, you know, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, it's, it's, it's priority for him to focus only on what's inside that building and only on football. Now you add added responsibilities with therapy and different things that they need to do to try to get this ankle ready to go. And it was a full work week, but Patrick is the, the consummate pro and um, to be able to balance all this. And if you look at his sleep, he's been on top of it, especially in a week like that, to be able to get the sleep that you need, get all the things in. You really have to be a professional and manage your time. And he absolutely nailed it. He and Julie and, and their team up there. And then uh, some of the, some of the nominal stuff we were able to do. It was just really awesome to see him go do, go do what he does and be himself and make that play at the end. What be what might be like one or two things that we all can learn from someone who can overcome an injury that quickly? Like, are there little tips that uh, I should know if I ever find myself with a with some kind of an ankle sprain and I want to be uh, I want to be able to get to work? You know, I wish I <laughs> I wish I had simple solutions. I would tell you that a lot of it goes back to the off season training. I mean, obviously, there's a ton that you can do right in that moment without giving too much away about the professional practices that they utilize with the chiefs. I think that, that for us, it's about building that body in the off season and then trying to make sure that we continue to do the things that we can do week to week during the season. And a lot of this has to do with your, your fascial system. And there's 12 fascial lines and what they found is it's mainly made of collagen. And these fascial lines are, have more resiliency uh, than Kevlar. And in this, there's been a lot of research come out about this. And so when you when you train the body, you've got muscles, tendons, ligaments, and fascia, and then there's all different types of tissues and and, and soft tissue combinations and, and different things in the body that we look at. But really, all these things can be trained in different ways. And when Patrick trains in the off season, there's a lot of intent around making sure that we have development in in the density and structure and, and pattern stability of these different tissues. You know, for instance, tendons and ligaments need to be trained differently. You want your ligaments tight. You want your tendons to have that, that variability to where you can have tension on one end and you can have some flexibility and tissue extensibility on the other. Your muscles have to have different properties, obviously, tissue extensibility. But when it comes to fascia, you want density and you want, you want series elastic component and you want the ability to be able to load that spiral line and that lateral line and that deep frontal line because those are the game-breaking type of attributes that you have when you're when you're building a body well it's been interesting to see videos of you training patrick and and uh even getting to spend some time when you guys were doing it together in person uh like one of one of the the exercises that i enjoyed watching was it was almost like a game of uh playing catch uh or or your game of tag excuse me where you're literally running around cones trying to tag one another and and for what it's worth, like Patrick in person is, is I think feels even bigger than on TV yep. and seeing him do an, uh, an exercise like that is pretty remarkable because he's a big person, but he's moving really quickly, short distances and, and scrambling around. And it's obviously no surprise then when you watch him on television that he's great at scrambling. But as you were talking about, you know, this, this sophisticated way of thinking about these different muscles, especially in the lower body. That's that's what it reminded me of was was this game of tag that I watched the two of you play and just like the the amazing combination of explosiveness but also power just in his the size of his body than I felt watching it. 
Yeah, and that part of the off season, we really have to gamify some things to kind of test our work, improve our work. And it's really important for him to see, you know, where he's at because you can't go out there and play football in the off season, and you certainly shouldn't. But you've got to find ways to show show examples of your work and see where you're at from a neurological and physiological standpoint. The game of tag, like you were able to see uh, during some of our training, is is a really good example of me seeing him move how he moves in the game, and he's a very unorthodox mover, as you as you well know, but, and those things are fun and they get a lot of attention, right? It's like the one, it gives someone like Patrick a little gamification and it gets them a little more excited for the workouts and it helps with the intensity of it. And it allows him to see, you know, to see where he's at as far as in the context of the off season towards the end season. In terms of, uh, ice treatment, stretching, uh, you know, various tools like hyper ice or, um, is there anything that you feel like it's been absolutely critical or that you've talked to Patrick about uh, in the past five days or so or, or week that you feel like it's made a big difference? Honestly, year round, um, we have some routines. I mean, we, we use uh, the high price gun. We use the stretch cage. We have some different things that are consistent year round, really off season and in season. Heat and vibration is a go-to for us. If there's a, if there's a very acute spot, uh, we love to use those those different devices that they have. Um, but the gun is an, is an everyday thing. And we've got some different points that we hit, uh, really mainly to neurologically wake up the body, but then also for acute areas that, that need a little more work that we've got to break up some of those things and carry over. And a lot of that comes from either sore, general soreness, or it could be just contact general soreness from the game. Contact injuries are so different because you want that amb- ambulatory response. You want blood flow. You don't want to stop the blood flow. You want blood flow in the body, especially early in the week, um, whether it's in season or off season, to try to get this, try to get the body where it needs to be and, and improve and increase that healing process. Totally makes a lot of sense. And uh, and obviously you both use Whoop as a tool, which I'm very grateful, uh, very grateful for. I love having you both on the platform. Uh, will you ever talk to Patrick about how he's sleeping and and sort of check in on that side of things? Yeah, we've been on that, and I think this year the the data really shows. And maybe when this is maybe when the season's over, uh, we can look at some of it a little more specifically and talk with him. But really, what I've noticed is him prioritizing his sleep and his rest more this year than he was able to last year. And I think that that has accounted for a lot of his ability to recover and be more consistent uh, on some of his scores. You know, he and I communicate on a pretty consistent basis about this. Um, I'll often send him the, the green charged up battery. When, I, when he knows when he's where I really want him to be. And he's been in, been really professional about his sleep and protecting his, his rest this year. He's just, it's, it's been a really good year when it comes to recovery scores in general and actual sleep duration. It's been a lot better than, than what we've had before. So we, we were able to pull some numbers in terms of his uh, sleep performance and recovery on average for game days. And, uh, this shows you that Patrick Mahomes is a gamer because uh, it's really impressive. So for home games, on average, this is in 2022, 73% sleep, 78% recovery. And for away games, 75% recovery. So he's he's always in the green, essentially, on game day, which... Right. For an NFL season, frankly, is pretty fucking hard to do because yep. you're, you know, you're getting banged up, and uh, you know, availability is one of the best skills there is, and the fact that he's able to not just be in the game, uh, but have a, have such high recoveries is is a testament to what he's doing throughout the week, what you guys are doing together. He's clearly good at sleeping because that makes a difference. No, I think that's really good information because as far as his recovery scores. You know, when you look at the NFL season, you've got, what, 21 weeks, or, or, or it depends on how long you play and how much you're involved in the preseason, but you can't peak every week, and, and you don't want to have these valleys where you underperform or you're at risk. And so if he's 95% recovery every single game day, then that means we're leaving a lot of physical development and neurological development on the table. In the course of the season, I believe that you want to get physically better. You want to improve your body. Not only do you need to deal with things in real time, you've got a whole team of people, most people around him to do that. You've also got to continue to move up your strength numbers to to get better at mobility, to improve 
your shoulder girdle to improve some of these things, your cervical mobility and different things that help you become a better player. Because when you switch that focus in the season and there's more skill development, you've got an opportunity to physically go to a different place than you would in the offseason with those things. And so for him in particular, it's important to try to find a way, just like a track athlete would in a European tour, you don't want to PR every single meet because you need that for the end, just like we need that for the playoffs and the Super Bowl. However, you can't go out there and get dusted just because you're trying to train hard throughout the week. So I think he's done a really good job of managing that. And like the numbers show, he has been pretty consistent with his sleep. That's a great perspective. So you're, you're, you're essentially framing like it actually wouldn't be better if he had a 95% recovery every game day because that would almost be a signal that you didn't push his body hard enough maybe earlier in the week so that he's going to get as strong as possible come playoffs. Absolutely. Jimmy Radcliffe with Oregon football uh, taught me this a long time ago. And if you go back and look at Oregon football, Jimmy Radcliffe was the life lifeblood of that place. He was a strength and conditioning coach that was originally a professor that had a, had a conversation with a football coach and then ended up working with him. But basically, he would tell me that he kept a count of athletes and their attendance and workouts year-round. And he showed correlation between that and their their health, like how many games they actually missed, and also their performance. And he trained the, trained the athletes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in season, year-round. And what he found is that if they were consistent with that, when they got to the end of the season and they got into the bowl games, their athletes were hitting PRs and they were playing their best ball at the end of the season and they were physically more healthy. And I took a lot from that. And I think what I realized is if we hit these Friday workouts year round, you stack those Friday workouts, that's 21 workouts. He's going to be better for those that, that 21 opportunities of work that he's done. And if you miss those opportunities, who knows, you, you, you might not make that run to win the game in, a, in the playoffs if you physically haven't been working on, on your attributes as yeah, I an think athlete. It's probably one of the things that's most underrated about professional athletes, sort of work ethic and sacrifice over the course of a season. As a fan, you're sort of thinking, oh, they're always just preparing for the game. Um, but no, like they actually have to keep getting much fitter over the course of a season. And there's the two a days. And even if you think about sports like major league baseball or, um, NBA, like a lot of those athletes are, are doing workouts the morning of the game. Right. And so absolutely because they're trying to get fitter along with, um, along with competing on a night to night basis. One other thing I like in just looking at, uh, the last two weeks of data is, the days where Patrick has a red recovery, so like on Wednesday after the Jacksonville game, you know he was run down twenty four percent recovery, uh, but you know he had a strain of four point six that day. So it's like okay, maybe I'm run down today, but I'm going to be resting uh, pretty thoroughly. You know, there's there you can definitely see the uh, intelligence in the in the training strategy, and I, I again I love the story about uh, you don't want to be at ninety five percent every game because then you might be leaving some in the tank throughout the week. So you've kind of hit that on the nose. 78% recovery for home games this season, 75% recovery for away games this season, uh, and also pretty similar sleep uh, for both home and away. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see athletes have materially worse sleep on the road. So that's that's also a good sign that uh, you know Patrick and, and you guys have worked together on really good um, sleep routines. No, I think it's important to be consistent. I mean, he knows that. And I think his routines are, he's a very much a routine and habit and superstitious type of athlete, which works to my advantage because if he's doing something to begin the year and it's effective and we're having success, he sticks with it. And he is, I mean, he is consistent. He will do it the same every single week. And it, that, that has worked to our advantage. There's no doubt about it. Here's a fun stat. The data science team pulled, uh, Patrick Mahomes has not yet lost a regular season or playoff game, both in 21 and 22, after having 100% sleep performance. So if that's he gets incredible. if he gets all his sleep, uh, watch out. That's that's I'm a gonna, pretty fun. I'm going to ring that bell all year. I, thank <laughs> you for giving me that nugget, Will. I, I need that. I need that in writing. That's for sure. Hey, the the numbers still lie. That's pretty amazing, though. Uh, that is amazing, man. So the more or less, so you don't want to go up against a well-rusted uh, Patrick Mahomes. 
what what do uh what are certain things you can share about uh about the Monday after a game, you know, obviously you've taken a lot of hits. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of a nagging injury. What, what do you think is the best Monday routine? Yeah, for us, we have three days in the season that have different themes and different different motives. Okay, so the day after the game is our A day. A day is focused on trying to restore all the range of motion we need for every joint in the body and trying to make sure that we have a general game plan of where the body's at and what we want to get to before that Wednesday practice. So Monday is a lot of gymnastic routines, a lot of rolls and crawls on the ground, um, a lot of different squat variations, different foot positions to try to see where his feet and ankles and his lower body, what the joint order and the muscle order is. Then also testing his upper body flexibility from fingers to wrist to everything else. And then there's a routine that we do for, for spinal mobility and flexibility and then just checking the health of the spine. Uh, Three-dimensional movement, sagittal plane, frontal plane, transverse plane. That That's A-Day. And we also do a cage routine that's five different positions with rocks and reaches. And it's it's not fun. That is a hard day because it is really counterintuitive to go the day after the game and, and look like you're training for uh, college gymnastics. I mean, it really is difficult for these guys and for Patrick, and um, I think it's a mark of a real pro that he is consistent with that. And he knows that every time he does that, by Tuesday, he feels completely different. It's like it's like taking the wrinkles out of the sheets is what I would explain to someone is that you're trying to set the table for the week, and this isn't work that is going to damage you. It should make you feel better by the time you get to that Wednesday practice. Now, B-Day is a different experience, and it's a different story. B-Day would be two days after the game, and... And B-Day is really focused around hitting some strength residuals. And when I say strength residuals, maximal strength is going to stick around if, as an athletic attribute for 15 to 25 days. Now, there's genetic factors, trainability factors. So if you say that, that means basically you need to lift heavy on something at least once every two weeks or you're going to lose some of your maximal strength capabilities in that movement. Now, we can't afford to do that. If you want to play the game like Patrick Mahomes plays the game, you better retain your strength or continue to move it up because he plays it in a physically imposing way. So B-Day is all about taking data from A-Day and saying we are healthy enough to do X, Y, and Z, and we are going to do that tomorrow. So we work on strength, and then we work on power. When I say power, we're looking at 60% loads or a little bit higher, all the way up to 90% loads. And we're trying to measure him. I'm measuring him on meters per second, how fast he's moving the weight. We have some different different machines that, that measure some more three-dimensional movement. We test uh, meters per second there. We test meters per second on different lifts. We test uh, inches on jumps. We test miles per hour on bat swings. But Tuesday's heavy, you know, or, or B-Day, rather, is heavy. Um, and we're working, and he's training like an athlete, not just like a quarterback. And then you have C-Day. And C-Day is, is really about unloading the body. It's about neurological profic proficiency. So the goal on C-Day is to move faster than he's going to have to move in the game. It's almost like a track meet. It's a short workout. I don't want it two things. I don't want him to sweat. And I don't want him to be sore on Friday. So Friday is about hitting a PR. We've got 20 different med ball throws we do. I'm going to mile per hour gun him on all those throws. We've got bat swings we're going to do. We're looking to hit a PR on our bat swing right or bat swing left. Um, we're going to run for miles per hour. We're going to do, we're going to four to five sprints full speed and we're going to see where he's at. So that's fast Friday or C day on a regular Sunday to Sunday week. And this routine really helps him hit three different types of workouts. And when you, when you really look at the general plan, we're, we're trying to hit a few things. One movement, literacy, force absorption, which every athlete's got to have, especially a quarterback. Okay. Force transmission. How well can you transmit force if you are in contact or you need to? Okay. Pattern stability, which brings in a lot of that different soft tissue development. Okay. Are you creating tension and density in those ligaments? Are your tendons healthy? Are your muscles strong? You know, do you have that, that fascial stability you need? Are you working the different lines of different movements? Um, and then targeted tissue resiliency. If you don't have targeted tissue resiliency and know what your quarterback is up against week to week, um, then I think that, that it's more difficult for them. So if we know we're playing a certain style of team, it might be a little more speed work. We know we're playing another style of team, it might be just a little bit more strength work. And while it might not make a huge difference, you're talking about 1% to 2% of added benefit from those training sessions that 
could always be the difference. And um, that that's our general plan in the season. It's fascinating. So just to just to make sure I, was, uh, I understood it properly, uh, summarize the ABC days uh, versus days of the week. So A days would generally be the day after the game. B days would generally be two days after the game. And then C days are going to be two days before the game. And here's why. Strength residuals, like I said, they're, they're all different. So you look at speed, maximum speed. That No athlete in the world can, can, can retain maximal speed for longer than three days. Five days max. You have to be an Olympic-level athlete to retain that. Meaning, if you, go, if you want to go out and swing your golf club and, and get, get a miles per hour on that, go do that, go do that today and then wait seven days. You will likely lose a little bit, okay? Now, if you were to do it in the middle and you were to test it and then do it again, so you did day one, day three, and, and, and day seven, you will likely swing a little bit faster. Now, if you were to do day one, day three, day six, and day seven, and you did minimal volume, you will swing faster. Because the way the body works is it's neurological proficiency. If you can only maintain maximal speed for three days, that's what that Friday workout is about. It's about running as fast as you can, or not even running, pulling a cable as fast as you can, swinging a bat as fast as you can, trying to expose the body to at some level of neurological speed that's faster than what he's going to have to do in the game. If it's faster than what he's going to have to do in the game, now the game is slower physically and neurologically. And so that is the whole point behind it. Now, strength is different. You don't want to move slow right before the game. That's why we move slow on Mondays. The week should go like this. We move slow early in the week, and then we move faster as the week goes on. Because I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything that doesn't feel like the speed of the game later in the week. And I, I want to make sure if we're moving heavy weights slow, we're doing it on Tuesday. Why? Because I've got five full days for his body to make that adaptation. And then the last thing we do is dust him off with as much speed as possible, under loads, less than 20% maxes, jumps, meters per second, the whole bit on Friday. Everything is faster than what he's going to do in a game. And that's that's the general plan. And it, it sounds like that's the general plan largely independent from who's who's on the schedule it is and you know there are challenges week to week and that's why it's so important to be able to communicate um and have professionals around you and, and really you know everywhere he goes he's got he's got a lot of people and so being in communication patrick being the great communicator that he is we don't ever want to overlap because someone like patrick has so much going on in his life he's got his family that he prioritizes his time with He's got his relationship with Coach Reed. He's got his therapy and athletic training in the building. He's got his coaches at practice, his teammates. He's got me. He's got everything else. So at some point, you're doing too many things. Yeah. I mean, in the season, I have to do the least. He he should not be doing too much. He's got to do just enough. Not not too little, not too much. And in the in the off season is a good time for me to be selfish and really try to build some tissues and have some long-term approaches. We don't have to play week to week. So if I want to trash him on a Friday to where he's not going to be able to walk good on the golf course, it's not a problem for us, you know? But that's not the priority in the season. I'm not the priority in the season. I've just, it, it really is like tuning a radio and making sure he's good week to week. And what I'm looking at is in the course of a season, I really want us to do this and get better and physically peak in the playoffs. That's, that's what you're looking for. What, what might be a signal of a number or something that you would see in, in one of these ABC workouts during the week uh, leading up to a game where you might see some results and, and say to yourself, okay, you know what, we're actually going to dial this back or I might need to course correct here? That's a great question, Will. And I'll tell you that really about four to five times during the season do we kind of want to hit a small peak during yeah. the week. And so... There's a few ways to look at this. You can look at strain scores and stress scores and or recovery scores, rather, and look at the correlation between those. On Monday and Tuesday, there's not a lot of physical activity uh, that he has to do at. You know, like football practice is the most intense thing. Football practice and football games are the most intense thing during the season, and they very well should be, right? So from my standpoint, I always have to stay under that threshold as far as strain is concerned, and I've got to look at his recovery scores. If on Wednesdays he doesn't have gas or on Thursdays he doesn't have gas, that means I've got to I've got to do a better job of making sure he's available to be his best in those practices on Friday as well. 
because Friday is the most important practice in, in, from my, from my uh, standpoint. So what we're looking for is for him to, to make sure that he gets the work that he needs, but I don't need him to feel broken or beaten um, on these, on these workouts because I've got to ride that line of doing, doing what we need to do and making sure it isn't carrying over. Now, if it's a bye week then it's going to be the hammer, we're going to, we're going to be sore. We don't need to be great physically in a bye week And those are some of our very few opportunities to get some physical advancement and adaptations that those things build in the playoffs that ends up mattering. If you put those feathers in your cap. So I don't know. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but no, we, that's good. We, we really have got to be careful. I mean, it's it's difficult, and and it's he'll tell me, man, I'm busted, or man, I feel good, I, or you know, I've got this, I've got two hours a day, or I've got 40 minutes, and it's kind of like with any other professional sport. NBA is probably the hardest. Major League Baseball and Premier League right there behind it, and then football is a little more predictable because. Those other sports, you talk about NBA, you, a guy could come in and be like, I got 18 minutes now. And we got to get on the court. Like, I didn't like my shot last night. Like, what can we do in 18 minutes? And then the, for whatever plan you've got, you got to do something. What kind of value can you add? Ankle mobility, stability. Maybe you only do deadlift. It's a, maybe you try to do as much as you can. Maybe you do some type of bleed where you do uh, heavy one set, medium, and then light. I mean, it's just... These things are, this is what you do. You make decisions, you make the best decisions you can, and you listen to the guy that is your boss. And, and Patrick's a great communicator, and he puts us in a good position to win. Well, you called out that uh, NFL practice and NFL games are the hardest things on the body. Uh, you know, pretty amazing the strain numbers that Patrick gets for games. Most recently, 20.5 against the Bengals. I mean, for folks who aren't yep. familiar, it's out of 21. <laughs> And it gets exponentially hard to go up the scale. So 20.5 is uh, about the equivalent of a marathon for, you know, uh, an amateur or serious runner. Uh, it just it sort of speaks to uh, what the intensity was for for him on his body. And I think like if you're a casual observer, you wouldn't necessarily realize that an NFL game for a quarterback is like the equivalent of you running a marathon. Uh, that's like a pretty amazing, I think, phenomenon. Well, probably not every quarterback does that. The last I checked from GPS numbers, um, he's a t top three most active quarterback in the league on a consistent basis, meaning if you take the amount of yardage he covers in a game uh, compared a to point. other quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah he just he's a mover. I mean, he, he he's never still um, the most efficient quarterback that no one's going to be surprised about would be Tom Brady. He hardly ever moves. Uh, but that is a skill, right? Now, what Patrick does is a skill too, but it requires a high level of fitness and a high level of, of, of physical ability and strength um, and endurance to be able to do what he does. And, and he moves around. Every, no one's played against Patrick, watched Patrick play or played with Patrick and not said, man, this guy's, he's moving all over the place. He's a very active player. If his running back scores an 80-yard touchdown, Patrick's hopping and skipping and jumping and running around as well. Like, it, it, there are a few guys, and I don't want to get, in, get into uh, giving other people's data away, but when I look <laughs> at these charts, when I look at these charts, it makes a lot of sense to me, the guys that are moving the most, um, and what they do, and it's no surprise Patrick's pretty much top three every week in yardage cover on the football field. Well, I definitely remember the last Super Bowl he played, and and we've got to think a stronger O line this this time around. But the last Super Bowl yes. was like I think a record for uh, scrambling in the pocket, wasn't it? Yeah, he covered I, I believe 578 yards just in in pressures, something along those lines. Um, and you know that was a difficult situation. Talking about again, he had a, he had uh, something that was keeping him from less than hundred percent, obviously, uh, that we dealt with in the off season uh, for a full off season. And he went out there and still hit high levels of speed and was able to scramble and make a lot of throws. And uh, that day was a day I, I I don't I don't I'm sure I've been more proud of him, but I don't know when. Um, that was a hard day, and I feel like. He was an absolute warrior in that situation and had no excuses and put the whole thing on him and his performance. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm sure I've been prouder, but I don't know when. That was a that was a tough loss. And it makes you it makes you grateful for this game and these opportunities. Um, and being able to go into this game in a situation where you feel like you're gonna be able to give your best. Yeah, it's exciting, and we'll get to this game in a second. Um, I wanted to yeah. ask you, though, 
you know, obviously there's there's other uh, high profile athletes who have had you know close relationships with their trainers and and uh, uh, you know been able to manage recovery in a unique way. I think about LeBron James and the longtime relationship he's had with Mike Mencius uh, as an example, and I've gotten to know Mike well over the years because he's a big whoop guy. But even within uh, the NFL, you know, obviously what Tom Brady's been able to do is pretty remarkable. I know he's worked closely with uh, with Alex Guerrero. Like, do you find that you're ever reaching out to other trainers and saying, "Hey, what's working for you? How do you think about this?" Is that something that um, that you look at? Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of these guys I've reached out to. I mean, uh, Tom House with with Brady, Alex Guerrero with Brady, um, Tim Grover with Jordan and Kobe. These are guys that. You know, as a professional, I, I always feel like it's important to gain perspective. Find find people that have done things you want to do. Find out what worked, what didn't. What were their experiences? What do they wish they would have done different? Uh, what did they learn about their athletes that, that that surprised them that mattered? What did they what surprised them that didn't matter? How did they manage these relationships with the teams? How did they manage these relationships with the family and the athletes? So, to answer your question, uh, that is a relentless pursuit that never ends. I mean. If we are not adding to our perspective and adding to the things that we're looking at on a year-to-year basis, and I'm not out there searching for for what's better and what's different and challenging my beliefs, then I need to be fired. Because if Patrick Mahomes is who we believe he is, then he he deserves the best, and I got to go find out what's worked for the best in every sport in the world, in every situation, and figure out what's useful to us. And we've got to we've got to continue to do that, and we've got to continue to audit our systems and approaches and what better way to do that than to talk to people that have been there um, at the highest level of sport, no matter the sport, and find out what what matters and, and what we can take from that. What what might be the uh, one or two things that, say, you've learned from uh, talking to the folks who work with, say, Tom Brady? I think with Tom, it was just his, his tactical approach of, of organizing his time in the week and things that he just would not be would not negotiate on from a standpoint of this i'm doing this no matter what every week or um just continuing to do things that honestly i I didn't really know an athlete would do during the season um tom is one of the most dedicated professionals from a time investment standpoint that i've ever heard of and you know in in just brief conversations with alex and discussing a few things here and there and then tom house on on throwing mechanics with these would work with multiple um, athletes. And then obviously he's an advisor to Dato who works with 3D QB, works with a ton of athletes as well. And just just listening to these guys and what they're doing off-season focus-wise, in-season focus-wise, and what they're paying attention to week to week, I think is really, really ring a bell as far as like, hey, we might be missing out on this ability to continue this development in-season and off-season in this area and in this area. And then, challenging Patrick by saying like we got to be consistent here this is what guys are doing and 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 every time he's like let's do it every time it's you know let's do this so you know I look at it like players in the NBA will often self-scout and in Major League Baseball and in Major League Baseball they may say look the shift is working because I can't hit the ball to this this quadrant of field I can't I can't do that we got to work on that this offseason. I've got to be able to pull the ball over here or the shift is always going to work. Now I know the shift is changing and all this. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. For an NBA player, for an NBA player, it's like, hey, the guys don't really cover me when I'm over here because I my shooting percentage is 14%. Like I've got to I've got to be able to make this shot. Or I've got to be a guy that hits this shot from the top of the key. I've got to develop a three-point shot. Jordan and Kobe were two guys that are great examples of, you know, I get I worked on my post-up game one offseason. I did this. And with Patrick, it's no different. We want to add things to his his physical prowess, obviously. And then my job is to help him facilitate things that he wants to develop or change about his game in the offseasons. He did a lot of throwing this offseason, more throwing than he's probably ever done with his throwing coach, uh, Jeff Christensen and Jay Christensen. Um, and that was because of some of the things that, that he felt were a priority after watching himself last year and in the playoffs. And he did that. And I think it's reflected in his play this year and his consistency and his accuracy. And we knew that with Tyreek being gone, he's going, he was going to have to quarterback and be accurate, in, in, and he's going to have to be his very best. And he took that challenge on, and I think we're all seeing the proof of it. 
Yeah, it's also cool for me just as a as more of a, a casual fan than a football expert, but to appreciate just the different ways in which he can release a football. And there, you know, there's a few yeah. other guys that can do it too, but uh, he also seems to do it with his feet in a bunch of different positions as well. Uh, there was a throw they showed in the Bengals game where he he had to walk forward. He sort of jumped up over the offensive line, sort of threw it somewhat sideways to get it around someone's arm. And then he also managed to land on just one foot, I think because he didn't want the other foot, uh, you know, didn't want to put pressure on his ankle. Uh, right. But the whole routine sort of looked like a, almost like a, a basketball move uh, when you actually looked at it. Yeah, and you know Patrick draws inspiration from all kinds of sports, and he's got a great, totally. you know, very you can tell, right? diverse quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. look, man, we got we got twenty six bones in our feet. You know, we've got two hundred six bones total, six hundred forty muscles, three hundred sixty joints, two thousand one hundred and ninety six joint variations. When you take into account sagittal plane movement, frontal plane movement, transverse plane movement, real rotation, relative rotation, there's a lot of ways to move. And luckily for me, he's he is incredibly variable in his movements and his background and he's super comfortable now he's got that genetic ability right and as coaches and trainers we've got two options when it comes to training athletes we can try to attain new traits and attributes or we can nourish the ones that we have so you're attaining or you're nourishing and attaining is a waste of time at some point you've got to nourish what you've got and he's really good at that he's a, he's a variable person so He's gotten the mobility in his shoulder. He's got the rotation of his humerus. He's got different natural slots in his arm. He's got different movements in every single week. That's what one of the things A-Day is. And even in the off-season, once a week, we're going to check mobility and flexibility in every single foot position. We've got 12 foot positions we do squats in. We've got uh, eight different angles that we lunge with every leg. Every week, we've got different crawl patterns. If something's not right, we got to fix it. He knows his body can move in a number of ways. He knows he can produce power from 20 different med ball throws in different angles that you've never seen him throw a football. And he knows exactly what miles per hour he can project power out at from each one of these angles. So it's not like he doesn't know that these are his capabilities. And then what he does is he goes out there and he solves the problems that he's facing in real time with what he knows are his athletic attributes. And that is one of the reasons he's so special. Well, what an amazing summary, too, you just provided of the body and all the different ways uh, to utilize our body. Just makes me grateful to have a body, too, you know? I'm not a professional athlete, but it's kind of exciting to just think about all the different ways you can use your body. And uh, and I love that point about, you know, doing squats in eight different positions, if I heard that right. Uh, it just, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I've ever even heard that before. Well, I was... You know, I was blessed. I was able to be mentored by someone named Gary Gray in the GIFT program. It's a it's a fellowship for physical therapy. And he taught this SFT position uh, squat patterns that really to check for, for some, some movement discrepancies and look at chain reaction, what we call chain reaction biomechanics. And I took I took some of those concepts and really tried to apply them from a to a training standpoint instead of a, just a therapy standpoint. And it's it's really opened up my eyes to to be able to use that as almost a litmus test for where are we at? It, like, like checking your oil, if you will. Like you know you have oil, but how much and what's the quality? And then using that is not only a warm-up, it almost like a litmus test of here's where we're at and here's where I need to be before we get to practice or here's where I need to be by the end of the offseason. And knowing the way that Patrick wants to play the game, it's a it's a really good uh, way for him to be able to, to, to understand the state of his body on a day-to-day basis. I love that. You know, one thing that's interesting about the Super Bowl is in some ways it's almost like two individual games because halftime's so long. Yeah, I know. And I remember listening to Tom Brady talk about that because he had played in enough of them at some point to realize to approach it almost like two games versus one game. And I thought yep. it was just a really interesting insight. And I'm curious if uh, if there's anything from a nutrition standpoint or a warm-up standpoint that... Uh, you found my work for Patrick or Patrick's considering just knowing that it is kind of an unusual game in that of itself. That's a fantastic question, Will. And I think that 
the Tom is is showing what type of pro he is by um, reflecting on that, and it is it is true. These guys are used to about a twelve minute half turn. Um, basically, they go in and they, you know, if I'm honest, they, they use the bathroom and they come out. Like that's what's going totally. on. There's at, a, there was a great totally. there was a great Manning cast with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning uh, doing Monday Night Football, and Peyton yeah. said something to Eli like. You know, the biggest myth is the halftime adjustment. We go inside, right. eat a few oranges, go to the bathroom, and come back out. You know, so I thought that was really Yeah, the halftime adjustment is a bow adjustment, I think. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> but, but honestly, honestly, like, with this type of thing, it is different. But these guys all played college, and college halftimes are forever. And high school, are, high school is as well. And, yes, there is definitely a different approach you want to take. And when you when you talk about a warm up, there's a few different things you want to do. One, you need to warm your core temperature, which is not going to be a problem in Arizona. Two, you want to make sure that so there's a joint by joint kind of approach. Get the joint hydraulic fluid going. Get your get your core modal system going. Your adrenal factors back going. What you don't want to do is get out there in the third quarter and your body has, still has some, some kind of systems awakening in your first or second drive because big plays can happen. And if you go back and look at the course of Super Bowls. Um, in the third quarter, there is a lot of times that big plays happen early in that third quarter. And I, I have to believe it has to do with where these people are at from a neurological readiness standpoint, aerobic fitness standpoint, and some other things. If you are aerobically fit, and I know I'm, I'm wondering here, but if you're aerobically fit, your neurons stay warmer for a longer period of time. Huh. So some of these players that aren't very aerobically fit or don't do a certain don't do a lot of work outside of practice or they don't do a lot of work as far as sheer volume over the course of the season. Like, let's just say their focus is only like, I want to stay healthy. Well, that means you're doing less work than guys that are actually trying to train outside of the parameters of just being healthy in practice. Well, then if you're not, your neurons are going to have a certain level of temperature or they're going to be able to keep warm. That's why some guys are really, really good, like backup running backs that come off the bench and just make it happen. Or like a sixth or seventh man in the NBA that comes off the bench and like immediately they're all and they're dominant. And then there's some guys that don't aren't good in that role. Like they got to be a starter. And I think a lot of that has to do with their neurological proficiency and their ability to maintain that 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 readiness. And that it comes back to physical preparation, and that comes back to some genetic factors. Um, but to loop this back into into what we were originally talking about, yes, it matters, and yes, it is going to be a factor. And there are people in place in these teams that that is their job to make sure the players are ready for that kind of break. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason I'm feeling good about Sunday and that we can talk about the game for a second and, and I'm curious your your take. But I think having played in, in multiple Super Bowls is such an advantage over having having not played. And I don't feel like that gets talked enough about by uh by the the sports um talking heads as they make their predictions for for the Super Bowl. But what do you think? What are what are some of how are you feeling about uh about this weekend? Do you have any predictions for us? Oh, I don't want to make a prediction per se, but I do think that both teams are are really good and I think the Eagles have an amazing roster top to bottom. I've spent a lot of time with Jalen Hurts. I worked with him when he was coming out for the draft oh, cool. and then, yeah, and so Jalen's been around Patrick and trained at APEC as well, and oh, cool. got a great relationship with him. Very, very happy and proud of him. Um, and I respect the Eagles organization. They've built their roster the right way. They've got great people in that organization, top to bottom. Nothing but respect for what they do, how they do it. Uh, and they're they're a formidable team, and it starts up front with their line. And obviously, I'm a believer in Jalen. But, you know, the Chiefs, in my opinion, the Chiefs are the most improved team in the league um, this second half of the season, and here's why. You've got five to seven rookies that have been contributing on a, on a consistent basis, and now they're not rookies. Yeah, and you make your, You make your biggest leap um, when you're a young player that second half of the season, and now they've got this third season, and you, you've got a lot of energy on that Chiefs roster, and obviously the coach's resume speaks for itself. Um, what they've done as far as reinventing their offense and the defensive coordinator, the job the defensive coordinator has done in in the postseason uh, has not been talked about enough. It's been remarkable. And the young players like the George Karloftis and then the, the secondary of basically all rookies and, and, and outside of the safeties is 
it is something that should be looked at more when this offseason comes because it's been impressive. Uh, what the general manager of Brett Beach has done is like basically hitting on every single pick. Um, and so, man, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. You know, I, you know, obviously, I want the Chiefs to win. I want Patrick to be the MVP. I want totally all these things, right? Totally. And what, uh, what, what should we know about Jalen Hurts that we might not know as someone who's worked closely with him too? J- Jalen is such a team guy. He will do whatever it takes. Uh, he's a workhorse. He's one of the strongest athletes on the field, any position. Um, if you were to take your top five strongest athletes on the entire team, he's going to be probably top five on any team regardless of position. And, and when um, you say strongest, you mean like physical strength as measured by lifting weight almost? Yeah, so I'm not talking about some of these uh, functional you know, labels like pattern stability or any of these other things that I mentioned. I'm talking about let's go get raw and go work in the weight room. Yeah. And this guy is like, I mean, he can, whether we're deadlifting, squatting, or doing anything else, he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be the bell cow. Um, he is a truly physically imposing uh, human being. And and don't get me wrong, Patrick is a monster as well. Like you, totally. you said it, when, when, you, when you see Patrick in person, you can really appreciate how big he is. And when I say big, yeah, the diameter big. of his arms, yeah, yeah, big. the muscles in the muscles in his back, his butt, totally. his hips. Yeah. I mean, this guy is a guy that if you're walking, if you're trying to figure out who you're going to mow, you're not picking Patrick. But also with Jalen, I mean, the guy, the guy looks like, uh, I mean, he's built like Adrian Peterson. He's built like yeah. some of these guys. I mean, he's, He's a strong athlete, and if he wants to run the ball 20 times in this game, he's going to physically be able to, and it's difficult for a linebacker, a defensive lineman, and especially a defensive back uh, to tackle him one-on-one if Jalen has decided that he's going to physically you know, give his best to, 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 to impose contact with that because he's a monster, and people forget he ran a 4-5 at the NFL Combine as well. He's not light. Wow. I mean, he's they, they better – and I know they will. And I know there's respect on the highest level from the defense coordinator and the defensive personnel. But he is going to require the same type of attention that you would give any NFL running back as far as how you have to tackle him. And, and he'll show that too. Anything else uh, as, a, as a football expert that we, we should observe this weekend or keep an eye out for? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I'm a football expert, Will, but I appreciate that. I think... <laughs> I think I think you've got one of the things that I want people to appreciate is the offensive and defensive line for the Eagles is is truly two of the best units in the history of the game. Wow. Um, we need to appreciate what we're seeing as far as their offensive line and their defensive line. You've got some really unique personalities, but really unbelievable players that you don't really get an opportunity to watch guys like that play together. Um, and they were a big part of that offensive line was a big part of why they won against the Patriots a few years ago. Some of the same guys, two of the best players in the league, and Jason Kelsey and uh, obviously Lane Johnson. Um, you're talking about a guy that was a quarterback in high school and college, converted <laughs> tight end to tackle, and now is you know obviously one of the best tackles in the league. And that that held Bosa to to almost nothing, and this guy's got a to- torn groin. So, you know. You've got that, and then the other side of the ball, you've got a defensive line that that had the most sacks in the league, I believe, and was second in pressures to the Chiefs, which the, the metrics show they had a little bit harder schedule when it comes to offensive line play, supposedly. like These guys are monsters. And then I think when you look a little closer, um, the Eagles' receiving group is similar to the Bengals' receiving group. They've got way more playmakers in that receiving group than you would have on a, even a good roster. It's it's almost too much for them to be able to keep over the next few years because they're so good in so many different ways. And I think that the, the types of receivers they have and how many they have is going to prove difficult for the Chiefs. Um, and then in addition to that, I think you're going to see some young guys for the Chiefs on offense really be given some opportunities to make some plays and have an impact on this game. And... You know, I want I want 15 to, to have one of the best games of his career. But I really look for some of these young guys to be big-time playmakers as well. 
Well, it's a great summary, and uh, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be a great game, and uh, proud of Patrick and you, and uh, excited for our partnership together. And uh, hopefully, we're uh, we're celebrating a win uh, Sunday night. Uh, but either way, this has been a lot of fun, Bobby. Thanks for uh, giving me the rundown of of everything that you do with Patrick, and um, talking a little bit about Whoop data. And uh, again, you know, grateful to have you on Whoop and and be using it in your in your everyday uh, life. Well, I appreciate you very much for having me on. And you know that Whoop is a, is a great tool for us that we use on a consistent basis. And um, it's it's been something that really helps us with our communication. And this gamification of recovery has made Patrick much more dedicated to that and competitive in that space. Um, and it's been a huge tool for me to help, to help him with that accountability and that continued focus. So the thanks is to you, my friend. And uh, yeah, come find me. Sunday night when uh, <laughs> when when and if we win let's let's make it let's make a point to get together on that okay well I'd love that looking forward to it and I will see you in Arizona Bobby thank you in AZ thanks all right see you pal big thank you to Bobby Stroop for talking all things training and recovery and for offering a peek into the incredible season Patrick Mahomes has had uh, leading up to the Super Bowl if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please leave us a reading or review. Check us out on social at whoop at Will Ahmed. If you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com. Call us 508-443-4952. Sign up for a whoop membership at whoop.com. Use the code will get a $60 credit. And that's a wrap. I uh, will see you next time on the whoop podcast. Stay healthy. Stay in the green.